following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Thank you for lifting your voices and singing with us. Um, I hope you've had a great morning so far um, today. Actually, over the past couple weeks, we have taken a bit of a break from our normal journey through the book of Genesis um, to look specifically at the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. And uh, we are going to continue in on that. We're actually going to finish that this up this morning um, as we look at the ascension of Jesus. And as we look at this, um, as we consider that moment when Jesus was taken up into heaven in the presence of witnesses as the disciples look on and wonder, this morning as we look at his ascension, here's what we're going to talk about. We are going to look at the fact that Jesus is king. That our Jesus is king, living king. And I'm reminded of his life as I was, as I was preparing for this. I'm, re- I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 2. Um, as the wise men come to Jesus at his birth. Do you remember what they said? What they, what they call him? How they identify him? King of the Jews. King of the Jews. King. In Luke 19, his disciples sing over him, and they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. King. We, at his arrest, toward the end of his life, we see this phrase often. In fact, if you remember what Pontius Pilate asked him, he says, are you the king of the Jews? And at his arrest in Matthew 27 and Mark 15, the soldiers, the people, they taunt him. King, why, why, why won't you fight for yourself? Why won't you defend yourself, O oh, king? Calling out to him. In fact, it was this claim, Jesus as king, it was this claim that was used to finalize his call for crucifixion. As you remember, what was the inscription that was above his head? It was Jesus the Nazarene, king of the Jews. King, king. And as we read this, You know what the reality is? Is that King Jesus looked nothing like what they were expecting, what you would be expecting for for a king. He was nothing like the king the people were looking for. As we look at his life, um, he didn't challenge the authorities of Rome. He didn't uh, seek to kind of turn governments on their head. He didn't seek an army or power or fortune. He, he didn't build walls around his kingdom and seek to expand that kingdom through territory expansion or military. None of that. That was not what our king was because he was nothing like what they were waiting for. But then something happened. Last week we talked about the fact that he died but then rose from the dead. And so you have to be thinking, okay, now our king is going to rule and reign the way we thought he was. He just demonstrated, surely this is the moment, right? If your, if your king says, they are going to kill me and then I'm going to raise from the dead and then he does it, surely this now is the moment. 
that we have been waiting for. Well, uh, turn with me to the book of Acts. I am going to be in two texts. This is the first one, Acts chapter 1 this morning. And as you are getting there, so Jesus Christ, he was just crucified, just conquered death. And, and remember, surely now this is the moment when King Jesus was going to reign in power as, as, we, as we think it should be, right? Um, pick up with me in, in verse 3 of chapter 1. He presented himself, that's Jesus presented himself alive to them. After his suffering. Key word here, church, is alive. So Jesus just laid down his life as the once and for all sacrifice for your sins. He was arrested, beaten, crucified on a cross, breathed his last. It is finished. And after it, all of his suffering, Jesus Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. He was buried, but he didn't stay buried because after three days, Jesus rose from the dead, literally, bodily, physically rose. So he presented himself alive to them, not alive-ish, not mostly alive, alive, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here's what we see. 40 days, King Jesus is alive and among them. 40 days, King Jesus is here talking about his kingdom. Surely this was the moment, right? Where the king was going to reign in power like we had been expecting. Um, in fact, just a few verses down. Do you remember the question that the disciples asked? It's moments before the ascension. And here's what they ask him in verse 6. In verse 6, uh, so when they came together, here's what they asked him. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? Um, if you hear it, they ask, King Jesus, when are you going to restore your kingdom? In other words, here's what's happening. They looked at their king. They, the son of God, the one who prophesied his own death and resurrection and then conquered death, they looked at their risen king, King Jesus. They looked at him. They had their king. But now what about that kingdom? What about that? Um, they had their king now. They are waiting for their kingdom, but they didn't see it. Not yet. But they will. And here's the reality this morning. As we look at this text as the ascension of Jesus after his work on the cross and conquering the grave, as we consider this, I believe we too will be able to see it. That is my prayer for us this morning because as we look at the, the ascension of Jesus, we are going to be looking at the kingship of Jesus. We are going to be looking at the kingdom of Jesus and we are going to be looking at our mission given to us by Jesus. In other words, our great king has a kingdom. And our great king has given us a great mission in that kingdom. So they say to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus responds to them, it's not for you to know that, right? It's not for you to know the times, the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. So he lovingly here and firmly corrects them. It's not for you to know these things. It's not for you to know those details, right? These are the things fixed by the Father's own authority. It's not for you to know these things. It's for you to know me and for you to trust me 
not for you to know these things. Faith is not about knowing all these things. Faith is about knowing him who holds all these things together. That is faith. So Jesus here lovingly, um, firmly corrects them. That's relatable, by the way, when I was reading this. How many times have I been pleading for God? Details, not for you to know. But Jesus here, here's what I want us to see. It doesn't end here. Jesus doesn't end the conversation. This isn't like the divine, we're not talking about that. It's not like that. He doesn't end here. In fact, more importantly, he doesn't even change the subject. Here's what I want you to see. Verse 8, but. This is a conjunction, a connecting word. He's not changing the subject. He's not changing from what they asked, the question that they asked. No, he's still answering their question. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time, the hour, or the date. But let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about that kingdom. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is so important for us to see. The disciples asked about the kingdom of God, and Jesus responds with this. He depoliticizes it. He expands it globally, worldwide, and he gives them this worldwide mission, and he calls it the kingdom. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, you are going to be the true Israel, You are going to be the light of the world as the salvation of God reaches the ends of the earth, spreading out through his people. And if you had a map of the Middle East right now, you would see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It spreads, it spread, it has this spreading effect. Spreading and spreading through different cultures, different peoples, different languages, different ways of doing things. The gospel of Jesus spreads out, and Jesus says that's what the kingdom is like. That's what the kingdom looks like. People from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. The kingdom of God is here as the gospel spreads through his people to the end of the earth. That is the kingdom of God. Jesus is king. His kingdom is bigger, and it's better than they imagined. In in his book called Systematic Theology, which is a nice light read, I'm joking, uh, by by Dr. Frame. I love this book. I I reference it a lot. Um, But he has this saying. I want to read this to you. Since the ascension of Jesus... The kingdom of God is the work of God through his people, bringing the kingship of Jesus to bear on the whole world. Since the ascension of Jesus, the kingdom of God is the work of God through his people, bringing the kingship of Jesus to bear on the whole world. That's exactly what Acts is saying. Will you at this time restore? And then Jesus says, here's what the kingdom is all about. Here's what it looks like. It's when you are my witnesses. In Jerusalem, and as you spread to Judea, to Samaria, to the end of the earth, that is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. Since the ascension of Jesus, the kingdom of God is the work of God through his people. This draws my mind, by the way, you don't have to turn with me here, but to Matthew 28. 
we have this uh, great commission. And Jesus said, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Why? Because he is king. Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means that kingdom doesn't have boundaries. And because of his authority as king, because of his kingdom that has no boundaries, our king now gives us this command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Spread. This is a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth kind of command. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as you go to the end of the earth, I will be with you to the end of the age. Let me say this again. Since, since the ascension of Jesus, the kingdom of God is the work of God through his people, bringing the kingship of Jesus to bear on the whole world. And it was after he said all this, we continue in Acts, uh, we'll pick up verse 9. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the ascension of our king. And by the way, pause real quick. Um, these were his last words. You pick your last words well, don't you? I mean, Jesus picks all his words well. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But this was his final command to his people as he ascended. This is the ascension of our king. Now, would you with me turn maybe 50 pages, I don't know, to the book of Philippians, uh, to the right, all right? Turn with me to the book of Philippians, to chapter two. And with what we have talked about in mind, with Acts one in our minds, with the ascension of Jesus, our king, in our minds, we're gonna look at a really familiar text. And as we do, I believe we're gonna be able to see this even better, to understand our king and his kingdom and our mission better. Um, Let's look at this, and let's start in verse 5. Let me read this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's just pause. That is our king. Verse 9. Therefore, that means because of Christ's work, because he emptied himself, because of becoming a servant, because of his obedience to death on the cross, because of his work, the work of Jesus Christ, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The first thing I want us to see here this morning is that our king has all authority. Our king has all authority. All authority is given to him. Let me ask you, what does it mean that his name is above every name? 
What does that mean? Well, it means that no name is over his. That means that nothing that has a name, nothing that you could give a name to, can ever be placed over Jesus Christ. This is a statement of authority. No earthly king or ruler, no government official or president will ever, can ever outrank our king. Name above all names. No authority can or will ever operate outside of our king's sovereign control. I think it's easy for us to think about name above all names as this kind of cliche thing that we put on t-shirts and coffee cups. It's good. If you have that, I'm not putting you down at all. Um, But it's easy to not stop and realize the power of that statement. Name above all others. As he ascended into heaven, he took his seat in power. Name above all others, above all authorities, above all powers and all problems, even above your own name. Name above all names. He, our ascended Savior is king. He rules in power. He is sovereign. His name is above all names. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, listen to this, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The second thing I want us to see here today is this. Our king has a kingdom. So our king has all authority And our king has a kingdom. And by the way, it's extensive. He is the name above all names. And then he's the sovereign king in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. You see what what just happened there? This means that your king is sovereign over everything above you, everything besides you, and everything beneath you. That your king is sovereign over all things above and below and beside. That he has a kingdom and it is extensive. Now let's dig into this. You, you may be asking yourself, if you're, if you're honest, well then where is it? Where is this kingdom? I mean this life, this world, I look around. This is not what I thought it would be. This is not what I thought it should be. Is this fallen world, in other words, really it? Is this the kingdom of God? Is this really it? I want to remind you, since the ascension of Jesus, the kingdom of God is the work of God through his people, bringing the kingship of Jesus to bear on the whole world. Let's consider what that means. It means that the kingdom of God has no boundaries. It means that you are divinely appointed ambassadors, vehicles, expressions of the kingdom of God. It means you are here to bring Jesus into the, to bear on the whole world. It means that you bring shalom with you wherever you go, the kingdom of God, wherever you go. Meaning you are here to take the name that is above all names and to bring it to bear on everything, everything above you, everything beside you, and everything beneath you. That the kingdom of God is here because you're here bringing it. That's what that means. The kingdom of God is here because you are here and God is at work in you. 
And because of this, here's the power of this, the kingdom of God is not reserved for one nation. No, it spreads to every nation. The kingdom of God is not reserved for one tongue. No, it spreads across languages. The kingdom of God is not reserved to one ethnic group. No, it spreads to all peoples and all tribes. The kingdom of God is not reserved for one culture. In fact, the gospel is never really at home in any of them. It is multicultural. The kingdom of God has no boundary because there is no boundary to where God has called you to go. The kingdom of God has no boundary because there is no boundary to where your God has called you to go. Our king has all authority. Our king has a kingdom. And church, lastly, we have a mission. Look with me, verse 11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, church, you are here to take the name that is above all names, to take the name of Jesus, to bring the kingship of Jesus to bear on everything above you, around you, beneath you. In other words, on everything. You are to bring the kingdom of God to every place that he has called you to be because the kingdom of God is here and it's through his work, through his people, for his glory. And our mission is not over until we complete it. In other words, this is not nap time. This is not rest time. That will come later. Right now, church, is mission time. In fact, we read already the great commission in Matthew 28. If you, if you remember that. Notice, it's not the great suggestion. It's not the great proposal. The great recommendation. It's the great command. It is the commission. It is our marching orders. In other words, our king has given us his command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. What does it mean that every tongue on heaven and on earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father? What does that mean? Church, that means turning people into disciples of Jesus. That means teaching them. That means baptizing them. In other words, every tongue will confess as we in obedience go and make disciples of all nations. As we in obedience go and teach them and baptize them. As we in obedience go in power as his witnesses to bring the kingdom of God into the darkness. That is what it means to be salt. That is what it means to be light. That is what it means to be a disciple. That is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to know that our Jesus is alive, that he ascended into heaven, that he is king, he has all authority, that he has a kingdom, and that we have a mission. And because of that, church, here's the beautiful part of this. Your life has meaning and a purpose. Your king lives, and he is bringing the kingdom down through you. Into your neighborhood, into your home, your community, your school, your office, 
bringing the kingdom of God down through you, you have a mission. I want to continue reading from Frame's work in Systematic Theology. He says this, So the Great Commission is a program for cultural change. As individuals bow the knee to Christ, they discover that worshiping Jesus must lead to action, bringing Jesus' teachings to bear on everything. Listen to how he ends this. So the kingdom brings individuals to Christ and also brings those individuals to exalt him in every area of their lives. It is both individual and social change until God consummates the kingdom at the return of Jesus to judge the living and the dead. Here's what this means. We have a mission And it's not over. And how do I know it's not over? Because we're still here. We have a mission. The honest question this morning is, are you on mission? Not theoretically, not not like floofy. I don't know if that's a word. Not floofy, all right? But real, are you on mission? Are you living on mission? Are you living your life to bring about the kingdom of God everywhere you go? What is the last decision you made that was an intentional kingdom decision? What are the things you're doing, not doing? Choices that you're making ways you're spending your time and your money and your gifts? What are the ways that you are intentionally spending yourself, pouring yourself out because of the kingdom of God and your mission to bring it in? My fear is that for too many of us, we have somehow convinced ourselves that it's okay to ignore our king's command. That that's for someone else. One of those more elite soldiers. They'll handle the disciple making. As we stop and we think about that, that just is absolutely crazy. It's just It's crazy. And in fact, if we could just stop and dream a little bit, imagine if the church individually and collectively, just imagine if it, if we better realized and embraced our God-given role as kingdom bearers. We've been for a long time now as a church praying for revival in our city. But church, the spark for that revival will not just be preaching in ministries of this church um, or any church. The spark for that kind of movement of God is you and me in our lives and our homes and our communities. Bringing the kingdom of God to every arena. Every arena of our lives. That's what revival looks like. Our king is great. And our king has a kingdom, and we have a mission in that kingdom. This morning, uh, we want to help you and invite you into that, mi- that mission. Um, this morning is a Sunday that we call Connection Sunday. Um, 
And we're going to end our service in a little bit of a different way. I hope you don't mind. Um, if you do, I'm sorry. Um, but right now, uh, down in the lobby, there's a little party being set up for us. We have our ministries and our tables here in a minute um, with our leaders who are going to be downstairs here in a moment. Um, and as you go down there, you're going to get a chance to see all the various things and opportunities and um, ministries that are here to get involved with. But, but before we do any of that, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear this, hear the most important thing. It's the why behind this. Um, as a church, listen, as a church, Lord, forgive us if church ever becomes about us. If it ever becomes about our kingdom, if it ever becomes a, hey, come listen to us talk. Hey, can you come and attend our events? Let us do our thing and maybe post about them. Would you maybe give and give your time and resources and tell your friends so that we can continue to do our thing? That's not the church. And if we're not careful, it leads us to a kingdom mentality. Unfortunately, it's not the kingdom of God. It's, it can easily become about our own little kingdom, which is not the church. That's not what the church is. But what's true about us as pastors, leaders, as a church collectively is, is just as true as it is for us individually. Because Lord, forgive us. When our perspective of church and of life ever becomes a let me go where I get filled and what's this going to do for me? How is this serving me? Where can I go that will serve me the most? Because if we're not careful, that will lead us to a kingdom mentality. But again, it's not the kingdom of God mentality. It's our own little kingdoms. And I am not saying that it is wrong for you to get filled, for you to get to be served. In fact, it's awesome. And I hope to serve you well and love you well here. Um, but what I am saying is that you're not the point. We are not the point. And by the way, you don't want a church where you're the point. That's not worth it. I mean, it is not worth it. And, and if you've ever been in an environment like that, you know it's not. The truth is, is that you and I, we are not the point. Our king is the point. Our, his kingdom is the point, And our mission is the point. That is the point. In church, you are gifted and created and designed by God. Gifted, created, designed by God to bring the kingdom of God here in this church and everywhere you go. You were not created to spectate. You were created to make disciples. You were not created to watch. You are created to do. Because since the ascension of Jesus, the kingdom of God is the work of God through his people, bringing the kingship of Jesus to bear on the whole world. This is your purpose, and this is why you exist. This is why you're here. Now, um, before we go any further, if you are a volunteer with us who is helping us downstairs at a table, if you could, at this point, go ahead and make your way um, this morning. And as they go, listen, church, um, 
as a church, we want to help you get connected to that mission. If you're not in a community group, now is the time. If you're not in a discipleship group, a para group, now is the time. If you're not serving in your church, now is the time. If you're not serving out in your community, now is the time. If you're not connected in mission here, now is the time. This morning, as your pastor, I would love to see you get connected. I would love to help serve you and connect you. And, but more than that, um, this morning is not about me and me wanting you to do anything. Um, this morning, my prayer is that you realize that you are designed and created and gifted by God for this. I want you to hear me. If you hear nothing else, hear me this. Um, I just dismissed like half of you, and then I said, if you hear me, anyway. Um, your God does not need you. He invites you into his mission. Your God does not need you. He invites you into his mission, and I want to extend that invitation to you here at Stone Oak Bible.